0: Welcome to the preaching ministry of Port St. Lucie Bible Church. We are a Christian church whose goal is to faithfully preach Christ from Scripture so that we might better love and serve Him. We pray that this message from God's Word would engage your mind with the truth and inspire your heart to obey Christ. Here's today's message. But today I have a topical message for you that closely reflects... Uh, One that I gave just a few weeks ago in adult Sunday school class. And uh, I can probably count on one hand the number of times that I have recycled a message. Uh, Typically a pastor is better off uh, to grow spiritually, to be constantly researching and and coming up with new material every week. Um, But I gave this lesson as I gave it in, in adult Sunday school class. Uh, I was convicted at that point while giving it. This is something the entire church needs to hear. uh, It's material that is so basic, but is yet so important. And uh, it must be examined by the whole church body together. Uh, But I have adapted the material slightly since Adult Sunday School class, so hopefully people who were in that won't fall asleep on me. Time will tell. Time will tell. Folks, this is a very important topic. Very important topic. I want to talk today about evangelism. About evangelism. Uh, increasing evangelism, be more effective in evangelism is something that your elders have been praying for. We've been praying that God will place a burden upon us as a church, that we be a church body together, witnessing for the gospel and for Christ's glory. um, I think this is something we should be able to embrace together uh, as a church. Um, And I think we should be able to welcome this kind of burden as a church family. Uh, Folks, reaching Christ's lost sheep, those whom God has loved since the foundation of the world, taking them the message that they can be reconciled in God's Son Jesus Christ, uh, we can invite God to place that burden on us. For that is His will. It is His will that we seek and to save the lost. But evangelism has to be more than an emotional sorrow. Oh, a feeling for those who don't know Christ. Oh, isn't that so sad? Evangelism has to take action, can't just be a Feeling. This is what I would like us to accept today, uh, for there is much misunderstanding about the Christian who does the work of evangelism. I have titled this message, therefore, Evangelism 101. Very basic, elementary principles concerning evangelism. Apart from printed uh, ecclesiastical. Or church literature. Apart from church literature, the word evangelist is very rare, found rarely in the ancient world, uh, in a non-Christian context. Its its usage is found uh, recorded only once, and that is in an inscription, an engraving, uh, in Greece on an island that is called uh, Rhodes. There it is used to refer to someone who, who proclaims, who, who proclaims uh, oracle sayings. That's the only secular usage of the word that archaeologists have been able to find from the ancient world. Beyond this, the Greek term evangelist, it only occurs three times in all of Scripture. Only three times we see the word is found, and those three times include Acts 21, verse 8, where Philip is identified as an evangelist. There's Ephesians 4, verse 11, where evangelists are listed uh, as by Christ, given to the church alongside of uh, prophets and apostles and pastors and teachers. And finally, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 5, which I read to you earlier, where it is used of Timothy. Presumably, and I don't think this is a stretch to presume, the number of evangelists, the number of evangelists during the expansion of the early church, during the the period of the writing of the scriptures, had to have far exceeded those three occasions that we see recorded in Scripture. In fact, if we are diligent, we're going to discover that there occur many references of Christians in the New Testament who labored in the work of spreading the gospel. They did the work of the gospel. Uh, Philippians 4 verse 3 there it even includes two women. They're, they're named Yodia and Syntechi. Those two women about whom Paul writes to the church, I ask you also, help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement, also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. In fact, it appears all who Paul commends in this this occurrence participated in this cause of the gospel. Paul doesn't describe them as being evangelists, but that they were his fellow workers in the gospel. Uh, Isn't it interesting how we always remember those two women Yodia and Syntyche, we always remember them as women who have a little bit of a schism between them. Uh, A schism or a, a slight disagreement or disharmony that Scripture doesn't even bother to describe or define what that is. But in reality, those women should be remembered as women who shared in Paul's struggle in the cause of the gospel alongside others also like Clement. When we dig a little bit further, we also find Titus, uh, one to whom Paul writes one of his pastoral epistles. You have 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus. And he describes Titus in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 18 as the brother whose fame in the things of the gospel has spread through all the churches... That was Titus, one who had become renowned for spreading the things of the gospel. And then to the church in Thessalonica, Paul affirms in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 2, as to having sent to Thessalonica Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, and uh, sent him to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith." Uh, We should notice, in each of these contexts, the Word of God doesn't use the term evangelist or evangelism, but instead describes innumerable saints who were fellow workers in this cause for the gospel. What do you think they were doing? Obviously, they were evangelizing the lost. I think we know what this means. The New Testament term evangelist could be, described, uh, could be used to describe anyone, anyone who proclaims glad, uh, God's glad tidings through Christ, the gospel, as noted in Romans 10, verse 14. There it says, How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent, just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Evangelists can refer to anyone Whose whose beautiful feet take the gospel, carry the good news of Jesus Christ, anyone who carries that message, anywhere. My theological dictionary of the New Testament confirms uh, that this term, evangelist, they say it originally denotes a function rather than an office. It originally denotes a function rather than an office. And they also say there can be then little distinction or no distinction between an apostle who did the work of an evangelist, certainly, uh, because all apostles were surely also all evangelists. On the other hand, not all of evangelists were apostles. Scripture assures uh, that, that being a first-hand eyewitness of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, uh, verifiable uh, miracles, signs, and wonders, that these were essential elements of a true apostle. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us. Um, there are no then true apostles as in the sense of the originals still walking the earth today. You cannot see the risen Christ as they did. That distinguished them apart. And while they're never described with the term in Scripture, all original apostles were surely evangelists. In addition to the evangelistic gospel work of the original apostles, Acts 21 verse 8 describes Philip as an evangelist. Philip was an evangelist. Yet Acts 21 verse 8 does not at all describe what it was that Philip did. It simply calls him Philip the Evangelist. To discover what Philip did, the work which Philip did, we, to, in order to be called an evangelist, for that we have to turn to Acts chapter 8. Now, we need to also recognize at this same time that this Philip that we're talking about uh, was not the the Lord's disciple Philip, uh, Philip, um, who was also named Philip. Instead, Philip the evangelist was one of the seven who were chosen by the apostles in Acts chapter 6 to distribute bread to the Hellenistic widows. Their job was to feed the widows. After that, Acts chapter 7, Stephen proclaims Jesus as the Christ before before the Sanhedrin, before the Jerusalem court, uh, for which Stephen himself is stoned. He served as the first martyr of the church, but Stephen also served to preach the good news. He did the work of an evangelist. It's then after the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7 uh, that we find in Acts chapter 8 that Saul started ravaging the Jerusalem church and, and putting Christians in prison. And that persecution caused many Christians to flee Jerusalem. Many Christians fled Jerusalem because of the persecution. And it is only then that we see the work of of Philip the Evangelist, described. It's found in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, where he is included with all those who had been scattered and went about preaching the word. Those scattered from Jerusalem went about preaching the word. We also read that Philip went down to the city of Samaria. And what did he do? It says that he, he began proclaiming Christ to them. Preaching the word and proclaiming Christ. This is the work that Philip did. This is the work of evangelism. Scripture also states that Philip performed miraculous signs and wonders in that early church. Uh, Clearly not an essential element of evangelism. But still those miracles drew the attention of many people, including one who was called Simon the Sorcerer. He was interested in those miracles. But Scripture says the crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard, and of course as they saw the signs which he was performing. At the end of that narrative, at the, at the end of... Uh, That uh, discussion with Simon, it then tells us in verse 12, When they believed Philip, preaching the good news about the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. In this very astonishing narrative, we find that preaching the word, proclaiming Christ, preaching the good news about the kingdom, these are the functions that define the work of an evangelist. Scripture never credits the miracles and wonders for people being saved. People says, ah, scripture says that people believed Philip, proclaiming Christ as Savior, and the result was that men and women were being baptized. That's the work of an evangelist. We see similar activity by Philip later, also again in Acts chapter 8, and in verse 30 where he joins an Ethiopian eunuch, joins him in his chariot, there it says, Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? And the eunuch replied, well how could I unless somebody guides me, right? And the man invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Uh, now, the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And we're told that Philip ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. We're told when they came up out of the water... The spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. Again, being snatched away, not an essential element of being an evangelist. should be simple enough. And in verse 40 it concludes that Philip found himself at another town called Azotus. And as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. And in Caesarea, we are told, this is where Philip made his home. Folks, clearly, clearly from these passages, we discover that the function of an evangelist is to share the word, to explain the truth of God's word, what it contains about Jesus. And the result is that we see again and again people being baptized in the name of Christ. Philip the Evangelist then is nowhere else mentioned in Scripture. This describes the extent of his work. Timothy is referenced again, the one who Paul called our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. Timothy is never, uh, like Philip, called an evangelist, but he is called to do the work of an evangelist. And in fact, I would assert Philip was also referred to as an evangelist, not because he had some rare and unique calling from God, but that because he did the work of an evangelist, it's preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Only one person in all of Scripture, Philip, is ever referred to as an evangelist. Doesn't that seem a little suspicious? But many are described as scattering about, preaching the word of God, engaging in the work that characterizes an evangelist. Their names are Timothy, and Titus, and Yodia and Syntyche, and Clement, and all of the rest that Paul says shared in the cause of the gospel. And when Timothy is called to do the work of an evangelist, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5, uh, you would probably never guess what his job description includes. There Paul gives him this this final charge to Timothy uh, and the churches in the last chapter that Paul writes. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead, and by uh, by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry." By doing the work of an evangelist, Timothy was fulfilling his ministry of preaching the word. He, he was gospelizing people. He was evangelizing people as so many others had. Uh, he had the beautiful feet that brought the good news of good things. We're allowed to um, disagree on this. Right? It's not essential to the faith. I do not believe there exists an office of evangelist that involves a, a very small number of select, uniquely qualified people like well, the lone Philip. The pastoral epistles provide extensive detail, uh, yet only to two offices, pastor, uh, uh, elder and deacon. The pastoral epistles never give us any qualifications for an office of evangelist, or who might fill the role of an evangelist. Folks, evangelist is not a privileged office that a few select people fill. Uh, The work of an evangelist, an evangelism, it's a function. It is what people are to do. And any who devote themselves to the cause of the gospel work, to the cause of Christ, may be referred to as an evangelist. Ephesians 4 verse 11 says that Christ had given His church people who had committed themselves to the work of evangelism. Unlike service, teaching, leadership, exhortation, and numerous other gifts that are, that are listed in Scripture, a unique spiritual gift of evangelism is never identified in the spiritual gifts list, either of Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12. Evangelism itself is never described in Scripture as a special, unique, spiritual gift that we all keep exempting ourselves from. I don't have that gift. It's not a gift. It's a responsibility. It's a role. It's a function. It's a calling to which... We all who are called by the name of Christ are to fulfill. Evangelism is work. It is the work of an evangelist. It is the work of spreading the gospel. That we're all responsible to engage in together. An evangelist may may describe the work of anyone in the church who is a fellow worker of ours in the gospel And that type of work is characteristically followed by baptisms. That's what follows evangelism. Yodia did it. Synteki did it. Clement did it. I do it. And every single one of us should do the work of an evangelist to proclaim the gospel with everybody that you meet. With everybody. There may be some who travel about the country uh, with a portable tent. I have no problem with them being called an evangelist. That is, if they do the work of an evangelist. Uh, My concern is when the term evangelism or evangelist is wrongly used, as it often is, to denote some special class of, of uniquely trained people, persons upon whom we shed our own responsibility of sharing the gospel and doing the work of evangelism. You will never find that definition of an evangelist in Scripture. to suggest that that evangelists are a specially devoted class of Christians who simply travel around with a tent. Folks, that is fantasy and folklore. Scripture does not define them as that, though some may do that. And that that, that type of false understanding, it hinders the evangelism that all of us are supposed to be engaged in. We think to ourselves, well, you know, we'll just, we'll just call in that guy who comes with a tent and he'll handle it for us. Or perhaps even better, you know, let's hire a guy. How about the church hire one guy and let's give him the title of evangelist? Handled. No, no, it is not handled at all. That is the wrong answer, folks. I see amongst us 150 potential evangelists today. Everybody is called to do the work of an evangelist. First step, evangelism 101. We each need to decide, we each need to determine for ourselves that we are going uh, to not only be called by God, but we're going to do it that we're actually going to do what He has told us again we are going to do. Um, We have to acknowledge that this is what God has shaped us for. To share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around us who are perishing. There exists no no one-size-fits-all method of evangelism. Each of us have probably... Uh, Enjoyed one or more methods some of us have taught evangelism classes there are many different methods uh, but what we need to do is commit ourselves to the cause of the gospel and passionately pursue God's work of evangelism regardless of what method you want to use Um, that includes sharing the gospel when the doors are open that includes passionately praying that God will open those doors for the gospel and that we will step through those doors. There are helpful tools for this work. Um, if you've been coming here for a while, you know I'm a tract guy. Call it boring, what you will. I like a tract. A simple explanation of the gospel. We've got a couple different types out here that we'll continue to make available to anyone who wants to use them. It's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a way to break into a discussion. Um, some people share their conversion story. Some of you are very good uh, with dialoguing with people. You have a very friendly demeanor and you can just strike up a conversation and you, you use your conversion story to win the lost through evangelism. But whatever method you use, use it. Go out and spread the gospel And whatever method you use, make sure you mention that God's Son died for our sins and rose from the dead. A lot of people forget to include that. A lot of tracts, believe it or not, printed tracts, forget to include that. The actual gospel. Um, An increasing favorite of mine, honestly, is inviting people to church. Um, That is something that was old school back in the day. And you think of that, you think 60s and others when people still went to church, right? Oh that that's that's that day is past. People just don't accept an invitation to church anymore. I, I'm getting the feeling that's changing. In fact, I even think that COVID has left some people searching for some interaction with others who care. And, and we've got a family here that is joy-filled. You smile, you're welcoming. And we've got a place here where you can invite people and say, you know what, come and hear what I hear. Come and sing what I sing. And would you join us in this friendly location, uh, this church, as, uh, as a guest of ours at Port St. Lucie Bible Church. Folks, it, it, it's... This is a wonderful church just to invite people to. And if you're able to do that and they come in, we promise, between the music and the prayer and the preaching, we will every Sunday share the gospel at one point or another with them as well. Um, Whatever way we decide to begin with this, folks, please, we have got to begin. We've got to begin. And our first passion must be to have a burden for the lost sheep and to seek them out. That's it. Let's pray for that burden. Father, it is sobering to us that uh, the way that you have chosen for people to be Saved from their sins is a message that you've commissioned us to carry. As you've called us to be faithful, to tell others how your precious Son uh, willingly offered Himself to bear our sins in His body on the cross. And then the good news that He rose again, Father, that you entrusted that to us. What a privilege it is. Yet, Lord, uh, we we do have apprehension. We do have fear of rejection. Yet, Lord, help us to be overcomers. Teach us by your Spirit to have a love for these people. Because this world isn't going to live forever. And, Lord, we'd like them to live with you forever. As we take the gospel to our cities, our towns, our families, and this nation and beyond, Lord. We ask that you would do that through us by your power. In Christ's name, amen.